Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Golden Astrologer Podcast. This is Deb McBride, and I am broadcasting from very rainy Escazú, Costa Rica, where we're getting some thunder, so you get the weather and astrology in the same broadcast. And now the rain is starting to rev up the last few minutes. Um, so if you hear it in the background, you know what that is. That's not just microphone hiss or anything. That's not recording hiss. It's rain. Um, and it is the 5th of June on Sunday, and it is the year 2020. And we've had an exciting couple of days because Mercury has gone direct and Saturn went retrograde yesterday. Saturn went retrograde. And they are not entirely squaring each other. They're not exactly squaring each other, but they are in definitely engaged in a square. And this is an interesting dynamic because Mercury really was stationing and Saturn was stationing and so they are still talking to each other and will continue to talk to each other for a little while now. Now we've got Mercury at 26 and Saturn at 25 of Aquarius and Mercury's in Taurus and this is a dynamic that has just been triggered actually today actually a few minutes ago by the fact that um, the moon is in Leo and it's squaring Mercury and opposing Saturn, causing a T-square in the sky. And so, yeah, we're feeling a little bit of the agitation of maybe Mercury and it's, it's spinning around. And they are hanging in the air with one another. Mercury is not really going to move past 26 until like Tuesday, later Wednesday, you know? And it's finally going to get to 27 on Wednesday. And we're finally going to start moving out of this relationship to Saturn. And Mercury is, you know, the planet of communication, as you well know, by listening to me. And it is the planet of intellect and thoughts and ideas. So it's not just about talking and emailing and, and stuff. It's definitely about our self-reflection. And that's what we do when a Mercury is retrograde. We have that experience of self-reflection. And it is a good thing to do the self-reflection, obviously. And, you know, when it squares Saturn, we might be a little more self-reflecting and self-critical. So we have to be very aware of what we're saying, our dialogue with ourselves and with others, because it isn't just about, you know, our dialogue with others, um, although it, it has a certain level of um, resonance when it's working with Saturn and we have to dialogue with ourselves and with others, you know, and so we could be critical we could have that little voice within that just keeps going on and on about how I should have done this and I should have done that and I should have thought of this and I, uh, that was a big mistake and why didn't I do this and why didn't I do that? And, you know, this is Mercury and Saturn. We, we tend to, especially when Mercury was like retrograde, it's, a, it's an internal process. We tend to shoot it out at others. So we need to work with Mercury's energy still for a few days, squaring Saturn. And we need to be very aware and sensitive and empathic. If you go to point a finger at someone, you got to remember that you're pointing the finger at you first. And that's the criticisms of Mercury and Saturn. Step back, listen to yourself. It's really important. It's really important to do that. And the rain is really coming down. <laughs> and um, 
So as we move through this, you know, next few days, we'll start to feel a little lighter and as Mercury moves past Saturn and gets further away and we won't be so judgmental, which we, which we can really be in these days. So I'm just asking everyone to just be very aware of your thoughts, very aware of how you feel and um, how it's affecting you and where, where might you be going a little overboard with the criticism. So in your dealings with yourself, especially um, for first and foremost, because you come first. And then also if you are criticizing others or finding yourself judgmental, it's, it's definitely because there's a root of this where you feel you're doing this to yourself. So that's, that's part one. Then we have um, Mercury, who's continuing to be busy, and Mercury is going to trine Pluto, because Mercury will still remain in Taurus for the rest of this week. Mercury is not going to go back into Gemini yet. Now, this has been an interesting time for Mercury, um, because he was in his own sign, and then he only got to four degrees of his own sign, and then he went backwards into Taurus, and has been in Taurus for, you know, a little while now. And Mercury is entering Gemini again on June 13th. So that won't be till a week till of, you know, past tomorrow, week from tomorrow. And so he's definitely more comfortable in Gemini. But the other thing is we had a new moon in Gemini. So there's been a lot of Gemini and Mercury energy. The new moon in Gemini that we had last Monday, the 30th, as I had said, kicked out the eclipse period, but also it was ruled by a retrograde Mercury. So if you were doing some internal work during that time, bravo, and you were probably coming up with some real connections and realizations. I know that moon was a big shift for me. I know I felt the energy move. I felt alive, awake, motivated, energy-wise. I felt like I was doing things again. The days leading up to that moon, not even the Mercury retrograde, the days leading up to the new moon were really slow and sluggish. And I really felt that burst of energy when the eclipses got kicked out. And I think it was really important for us to um, be done with that eclipse period. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was enough already. So, you know, the hours and the days leading up to a new moon are the dark of the moon. And we have moments when it's not the best time to, like, initiate new projects. That's why I always tell people, wait till the new moon. And it's important to connect with the energy of that new moon as it, as it, like, sparkled and glistened and allowed us to say goodbye to the eclipses. I think the energy, especially... The last eclipse and the, you know, so last week was two weeks since the eclipse and now it's been three. It really helped us move out of that heavy energy. I think that that last eclipse was heavy. It was Scorpio and Taurus. It's fixed energy. And I'm a fixed sign, so I was sensitive to it. But, but also, you know, when we're starting to get into fixed energy during eclipses, it tends to be a little more weighted because the energy is so um, definite, you know, definite energy. And so we will have more Scorpio eclipse and uh, Taurus eclipse energy in the autumn, in October. But in the meantime, now we're past it and now we're moving forward. And we've got Mercury moving forward. Now Saturn going retrograde 
Saturn going retrograde is fine because it spends a good portion of the year in retrograde and half of us have Saturn retrograde in our astrological charts because, you know, Saturn spends a good portion of the year in retrograde every year. And it will be retrograde until October 23rd. And what we're having is, um, you know, Saturn in Aquarius and we're experiencing anything Saturnine in the retrograde sense. So this, these bigger waves of retrograde allow us to go in and do more inner work and spend the time with ourselves in a reflective place. It's not as immediate as, say, a Mercury retrograde or a Venus retrograde or a Mars retrograde. The, the planets that spend so many months in retrograde are usually very uh, deep and slow-moving. So Saturn is at 25 retro, uh, retrograding, and then it will go to 18. So that's 7 degrees. It's going to move, and then it'll go direct at 18. And it will direct itself squaring Uranus. So that this is going to be a deep inner period of recommitment, refocus, reestablish, reconnecting, and, and commitments. Rethinking our commitments. What are you committed to? Because Saturn is all about commitment. Commitment and focus. I always say Saturn is about commitment and focus. So where do we need to refocus? Maybe we lost our focus, especially during retrograde Mercury. We might have lost our focus on things. And the retrograde Saturn is going to help us get back to the commitment and the focus that we had earlier this year. Now, if you have planets at 25 Taurus, 25 Leo, 25 Aquarius, and 25 Scorpio, you will definitely feel this Saturn retrograde, just like you felt the eclipse. And what was important about that eclipse was that it was, you know, squaring Saturn. Um, so now we start to look at the, the rays of Saturn, where we did with Mercury, rethink, re you know, re-communicate, reconnect, revisit. This is recommit, refocus. And it's important to remember where we were maybe earlier this year where we felt the need to um, commit to something bigger, you know. And where where is Aquarius in your chart, you know, it's because the Aquarius area is where we're recommitting and refocusing. So, you know, Saturn gives us the structure we need in our commitments so that we have this, and it, it can box us in too. So we have to be careful about Saturn because we can get a little too boxed in by Saturn's energy, a little too structured. And we don't want that. We want to still feel free and flowing in our lives, but we want to make sure that our commitments are the right commitments and that we're doing things with the right amount of energy and the right amount of focus. So um, that's, where, that's where Saturn comes in and gives us that um, reboot, <laughs> reboot on the, the commitments and the focus. And then um, Mercury is going to give us that last trine to Pluto on Friday the 10th. And that's an interesting dynamic because Mercury has been here twice before. So it was here April 28th and it was here two weeks ago. You know, um, Mercury and Pluto 
did this on the 25th of April, and then they will do it on Friday the 10th. So this span of two and a half months of Mercury trining Pluto, Pluto's about transformation. This is about the ease of transformation because Mercury is like the idea about transforming. Trines are smooth flowing aspects. They present opportunities, they present ease, they present a solution where we might not have thought of it before. And maybe there's an element of transformation in your life where Pluto is transiting right now in your chart, where you can feel that you are connected to the element of transformation where that's taking you. So it's a smooth relationship, a smooth relationship. And that's, that's what's really important right now. Um, and then um, one of the things that I noticed that was so important, so, so you're going to go back, you're going to go back to April 28th, you're going to go back to May 25th, and you're going to look at those dates and see what may have been ha happening. Now, trines are subtle. You might not, they're not like squares where you're like slapped and you're like, you've got to deal with this. No, this is a subtle energy. So maybe something that was going around the 28th and then going around um, the 25th of, of May and then this week, it will complete that chapter, complete that story. And Mercury's, Mercury talks about stories. Mercury is a, a, a communicative planet. It's, it tells a story. So what story were you living since the end of April? Okay, then something very important that we have to discuss. Um, and that, that new moon was at 9 degrees Gemini. And this isn't going to happen yet, but I hope that you were paying attention to whatever that new moon brought you and wherever the new moon brought some information to you. Um, because, information, it's Gemini, you know, because Mars is going to go retrograde in Gemini, and that's an important point. So this is a very interesting dynamic, and we're, we're looking at a preview of what Mars is going to do. Mars will go into Gemini the 20th of August, and it's going to stay there for a long time. And you know, when Mars goes retrograde, it's only once every two years. And remember, it went at the end of 2020, and it got all entangled with those planets in Capricorn, and that was intense. But this is, this is a little less intense because it's not going to, uh, you know, at 9 Gemini, it's not going to get uh, entangled as much. So... But it is entangled with that new moon because Mars is going to go into Gemini the 20th. It'll reach that new moon point around the 6th or 7th of September. So Mars is going to pass over the new moon. It's going to retrograde October 30th. And by the end of the year, the last week of December after Christmas, where we're heading towards New Year's, Mars is going to come back to that 9-degree place for several days days. It's only going to whiz by it in September. It's going to spend a longer amount of time at the end of the year connecting with that new moon. It's going to sit on the spot of the new moon. So what happened at the new moon? What do you know about the new moon? What did it give you? What did you experience? What did you connect to? What were you called to do? Did you feel like I did and have the energy just feel fresh and new? And that new moon isn't just any old new moon. It's the new moon that kicked out the eclipse period. So this is 
a deeper meaning, okay? In astrology, we look at cycles. Astrology is the study of cycles. And it's this map of the cycles. So we have to pay attention to cycles. There are historical points. There are what we call famous points. These things are resonant in our lives. So because that was not any old new moon and it, an old new moon, right? Um, that was not just an ordinary new moon that kicked out the eclipse period. And we were done with the eclipses as of that new moon last Monday, the 30th, then Mars is going to visit that again. So what was the meaning behind the eclipses for you and the release of the eclipses, the release of the eclipses is just as important as the eclipses. Sometimes events don't happen until the new moon or the full moon that kicks out the eclipses. So sometimes we have events happen in the world and it's an evidence of things that were hanging in the air during the eclipse time and then they're released. Um, and it's just as much a part of that. It's not the central eclipse, but it's showing us that we're moving on now. That point of nine Gemini is going to be revisited two more times this year once it's the 6th and 7th of September and then at the end of December by Mars. Mars is an energetic force. Mars is about assertion, confidence, um, aggression, the warrior energy, the standing up and announcing you're, you're here. All of that is Mars and since Mars will reach that point it's going to be profound that we pay attention and we see what's going on everything that mars is going to do in those months is going to have relevance to the eclipse period the end of the eclipse period and that new moon so thankfully it was a new moon that kicked things out and was very energized and and you know some of us felt good um now one of the things is that it's going to whiz by it in September. That's going to be the next chapter of that story. Then the end of December, we're going to see it there for days and days. And then what's going to happen is Mars will station direct in Gemini in mid-January, and it's going to be at eight degrees Gemini. So it's going to get to nine. It's going to say, see you later, nine. It's going to go backwards, backwards, backwards to eight degrees and then when it's at eight degrees, turn around, go direct. And then, of course, after it, you know, starts to move, it's going to go to nine degrees again. Okay. So this is a very important transit. And I'm telling you about it now in June because we are going to see this starting to evolve. Now, what you can do in preparation is every, every month the moon is going to be in Gemini. And since that new moon was in the end of May, that means the moon will go into Gemini at the end of every month. So it'll be the end of June that we'll see the moon in Gemini again. The end of July, we'll see the moon in Gemini again. And then it'll, it like decreases. It'll be like mm, the last two weeks of August. We'll see the moon in Gemini again around the 21st or so. And so on every month. Um, 
but the most important thing to do is pay attention to when the moon is in Gemini. So I'll be announcing that on the podcast and, and on my Instagram if you, if you watch me there. And we'll know when that new moon might be getting revved up again. And it's because it's a hot point now. And hot points are going to respond when, you know, the moon passes over it again and then, you know, and then we're going to have Mars. And so whatever you experienced on that new moon is going to get three times a vitamin shot. The first time in September, the second time at the end of December, and then again in January when um, Mars goes direct and passes over uh, that nine degree Gemini point after it's moved off the eight degrees where it's going to station. Eight degrees is close to nine degrees. So this may be a prolonged experience of what energies came forward to you during the new moon. It may be uh, somewhat prolonged as, as Mars slows down and gets ready to turn direct. There's going to be this whole long section of time with nine degrees, eight degrees, eight degrees, eight degrees. And this is something that is worthy to pay attention to. But this isn't until next year. This isn't until January. So we've got plenty of time. But like I said, you can watch these little sprinkles of information as we get through each month when the moon is going into Gemini, which happens every four weeks. So fascinating, fascinating. This is the meat of astrology. This is where we need to pay attention to cycles and pay attention to how they're they're approaching our lives and how they manifest. Where is Gemini in your chart? Where is nine Gemini? And that is something that you want to stay in contact with and close attention to. Mars there is going to be very interesting. And it's not lost on me that Mars is stationing where that new moon was, where it kicked out the eclipse period. So information from the new moon, information from the, like the ending of the eclipse period, whatever you felt is going to be revisited and you're going to reconnect with that. So it's I think this is this is where astrology gets really fascinating, and we start to like look at these cycles and and watch what was happening during the time that uh, these planets moved over that important point. Mercury will go there too, because Mercury, remember, as I said, Mercury is not going back into Gemini until the 13th of June. So once it, it never reached nine, it got to four and turned around, but it's going to go back over that in a few weeks. So we'll see that, and I'll be talking about it here on the podcast, and we'll get to get a little bit of a taster of Mercury passing over it. But Mars is important because it's going to sit there. It's going to sit at that point, and it's going to slow down and focus. It's not going to whiz by it. It'll whiz by it the first time, but then the, the, the depth of that moment is going to be driven home by Mars's station. So we have a lot of time before that, and we just start to pay attention and get messages from the universe about what that powerful moment was and how it's going to unfold over these next six, seven months. Okay. Now, another very important aspect is going to happen this week, and that is Venus and Uranus conjuncting next Saturday the 11th in Taurus. And this is important because this only happens once a year, and Venus rules Taurus. So um, while Uranus is in Taurus for seven and eight years or so, Venus will come once a year and connect with the planet Uranus and it will bring us some very interesting dynamics. Now, Venus is 
the planet of love, the planet of beauty, the planet of art, the planet of finance, and the planet of Mother Earth in Taurus. So that feminine, deep connection, okay, to Earth. And the receptiveness of Taurus and the receptive energy of Venus in Taurus, the feminine receives. And when she meets with Uranus, wow, fireworks, because Uranus is all about fireworks. It's a little chaotic. It's highly energetic. It's, you know, it's an outer planet. So when an inner planet comes to an outer planet, we pay attention um, because it's what we're watching the energies connect and we're watching how this whole, you know, connection unfolds. Now, this is particularly important for a few reasons. Okay, first of all, this only happens once a year, and this is Venus's home sign, and there she is with the great disruptor Uranus. You know, it's like lightning, and she comes in and she greets Uranus, and there's this energy of the two of them coming together. What is Uranus? It's all about the excitement, the the chaos, the lightning, the brilliance, the genius, the creative genius in the feminine sign of Taurus, and then with the, the female herself coming to that. So if you're looking for sparks, you'll get them next Saturday. And, you know, revved up to include, you know, Friday, Sunday, you know, this doesn't just happen one minute and then go away. That's going to be at 6.58 p.m. Eastern Time on Saturday, June 11th. Now, when we get to Venus coming to Uranus, Venus and Uranus could bring surprises in relationships, um, brilliant creative ideas, surprises in finances, <laughs> um, brilliant ideas around your finances, and breakthrough energy in relationships. Ah! They finally understood me. Um, it could be anywhere. It could be anywhere in your life. It could be one-to-one -one personal relationships, friendships, depending on where Taurus is in your chart. And, um, you know, it could be if it's at the top of your chart, it might have something to do with your career. If it's, you know, in um, the fourth house, for example, could have something to do with your family. So maybe there's some like brilliant breakthrough in a creative way that you're going to have that we're all going to have. Now, it doesn't always manifest as that. It could be somebody losing their temper because Uranus is, you know, is a hot planet. When it gets triggered by something, it's like, what do you mean? Blah, blah, blah. You know, it could be a very Uranian outburst. Um, so it could be a profession of love from someone that you admire. Um, so these are energies we want to pay attention to, too. And this only happens once a year, so it's a special, special time. If you are a Venus-Uranus person, meaning you have a Venus-Uranus aspect in your chart, especially a hard aspect, such as a square or an opposition or, you know, even a, conjun a conjunction, especially because, and that's not always a hard aspect, but depends on how you experience it and what you use it for. Venus, Uranus conjunct, you are having what's called a recurrence, if you have that in your chart. And then whatever energies were present when that Venus, Uranus made um, a direct contact in your chart, and by a technique we call progression, that that helps you to understand um, what that aspect is really about for you. Um, 
and I do that when I read people, like give them the essence of whatever particular aspects are in their chart and what's, what's going on for them. And like, what was that? What's the juice of that aspect, you know, in their chart? So Venus and Uranus, what is the juice of that? If you have it in your chart, what does it represent? Do you have relationships where you don't want to commit or you attract people who don't want to commit or you need a whole lot of excitement in your relationships or you're the kind of person that needs to spend all your money in order to like have excitement in your life or you just, you know, what is it for you? If you're a Venus Uranus person, um, it's a very excitable energy. So there is excitable energy. If you're not a Venus Uranus person, well, then this may just be uh, a fleeting surprise or a, a, a genuine, like, uh, surprise from some a good surprise from someone. Maybe someone sends you flowers. Maybe someone pays a surprise visit. I haven't seen you in ages. Oh, my God. Oh, I heard from them out of the blue. Isn't that great? You know, those kinds of things. That's Uranian energy, but also... Um, the moon is going to be involved that day. So it's going to be a little more exciting than typically Venus and Uranus get together. And it doesn't mean that the moon is going to be there too. This just happens to mean that the moon is going to be part of this relationship on Saturday night, Eastern time. So what do I mean by that? The moon is in Scorpio. Moon is in Scorpio. It's going to go into Scorpio. Um, on Friday afternoon at 4.41 p.m. Eastern Time. And then by the... Venus and Uranus are going to connect at like almost 7, as I said, Eastern Time. And then the moon is going to be in opposite Uranus because Scorpio is opposite Taurus. Moon will oppose Uranus 9.05 p.m. and then oppose Venus at 9.16 p.m. because at that point... Venus will be passing Uranus. She'll have already made her conjunction. She's the faster moving planet. She makes the aspect. She'll come passing over Uranus a little before seven in Eastern time. And then a couple hours later, she's going to be involved with the moon. The moon will come and oppose her. That's going to trigger things. Okay. So if anything happens anytime that day or the hot in the evening, very hot in the evening, don't be surprised, okay? So this is um, about 16 degrees of Taurus, and um, that's like the middle of the sign. And so this is, you know, this is a moment. This is a moment with Venus and Uranus and the moon. And there's some intensity going on. Now remember, we had the full moon and Taurus and Scorpio. It was in Scorpio, the moon, and the sun was in Taurus, but now we're getting more Taurus-Scorpio action. Might this call up something from the eclipse? It could, but more likely this is like a more excitable relationship-oriented energy. It could mean that you have, you know, an argument with your mother. <laughs> the moon is involved, right? It's mom. So there, there's those things. Don't think that just because we're having all this excitable energy, it's going to be a hot night for love. It could be for some people, depends on where it falls. might be a hot night for counting your money, <laughs> balancing your checkbook. Maybe you'll find an extra hundred bucks that you didn't realize you had. You never know. These kinds of things are typical. Anything is typical with Venus, Uranus, Moon. So lots going on here to pay attention to. And it's important to sense into these aspects and see how you're feeling. Because what you're feeling is 
you know, going to give you a lot of information about this. If you get energy where you're like, you walked away from a conversation that was uncomfortable or something, look into that. And that's why we do astrology. We want to get a better grip on what our emotional story is and what is coming up for us that we need to handle and deal with and what could potentially be hot and alive and, and, triggering us and triggers give us keys to our own emotional well-being. What is triggering you? Why is it triggering you? How old is that story? Is it something from childhood? Is it something that got triggered over and over again? Something very, very dynamic happening and it can give us information about our own emotional makeup. So very important to pay attention to, very important. And that's about it for this week. So we've got some real dynamics going on with Venus, Uranus, and the moon. We've got Mercury making that last relationship to Pluto after two other times. Um, in other words, worlds, we have the sun tomorrow, the 6th, making a very nice sextile to Chiron in Aries. The sun is in Gemini. That gives us some enlightenment. You know, the sun is illuminating. And... It gives us some enlightenment to our own wounds and, and shining a light on those things. The moon is in Leo now and goes into Virgo, 2.22 a.m. Eastern Time tomorrow morning. It's going to stay in Virgo Tuesday. Wednesday it will go void, trining Pluto. That means that Mercury, Pluto, and the moon are all going to be in this trine. Yes, Mercury doesn't get there exactly till Friday, but... It's close enough so that we have this grand trine with Mercury in Taurus, Moon in Virgo, Pluto in Capricorn on Wednesday. So that's that's a lot of information. That's good Earth energy. It's good to get things accomplished. Um, it will go void at 8.09 a.m., the Moon, and then it will go into Libra 11.23 a.m. This is all Eastern Standard Time. Stay in Libra the rest of Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday, of course, as I mentioned, it goes into Scorpio at 4.41 p.m. after being void for about um, three hours because it'll go void about 1.36 p.m. And then it will be in Scorpio for the rest of the weekend until it goes into Sag Sunday evening, next time we meet on the 12th um, at 6.31 p.m. Eastern Time. And that's it. Um, I thank you so much for listening. Um, hopefully you're taking some notes about what uh, could be going on in your chart after that new moon, so you're prepared for Mars's visit. You are going to uh, pay attention to what Venus, Moon, and Uranus are doing next weekend. And if you have any questions, feel free to contact me, info at thegoldenastrologer.com or deb at debmcbride.com. I'm on Instagram, The Golden Astrologer, and please visit me there because I always post uh, videos about what's going on. You know, I feel into those aspects, so I may have information for you about that Venus, Uranus, Moon situation at the end of the week that I don't have now because I'm intuiting and sensing into things and I'm going to have new information based on my intuition um, next week. So be sure to turn into my Instagram, The Golden Astrologer. I welcome all sessions. I do Fifth Dimension Lemurian Reiki as well. I teach that as well. I welcome people to do emotional clearings with me and set up a session, thegoldenastrologer.com, book online. Thank you for listening. A beautiful week to you and grateful to all.